Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Hallelujah. Have you found Hebrews chapter 2? Praise God. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. Now, this sort of ties in with some things that I've said before simply because I'm reading from the same passage, but um, we're really leaving the uh, topics that we've had that we've been covering the last few weeks or something else related to that that I want to talk to you about and go a little bit more in depth. And so we are going to start in chapter uh, 2, verse number 1, knowing, of course, that this is a continuation of the previous chapter. But uh, let's pick up in verse number 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord? You can see here the comparison is between the word spoken by the angels and how important it was to give heed to that. How much more important is it to give, uh, uh, for us to give heed to the word spoken by the Lord? Because he points out that the Lord is better than the angels. The word spoken by the Lord, sh- we should give heed to because of who spoke it. Amen. Amen. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts. The margin of my Bible says distributions of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Now I want you to notice here, he said that we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Well, what things... uh, What things do you think he's talking about? What kind of things? Well, he goes on in the third verse to mention our salvation. So he's talking about things that pertain to our salvation, things of our salvation. We need to give the more earnest heed to the things which we've heard about our so great a salvation. You know, we have a great salvation. You know, I grew up in a a, uh, a climate, even though... I went to a Pentecostal church, even though we were a, 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 a Pentecostal church and we believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we believed in the power of God. Still, beyond that added feature of just being filled with the Spirit, we believed being saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. Besides the benefit of being filled with the Spirit, we really weren't taught that our salvation really covered that much for this life It had to do with the life to come. We were taught, and most people today, most Christians are taught, most churches limit the salvation. They limit the exposition of the salvation, the explanation of the salvation to just the remission of sins and going to heaven. And when we get to heaven, it'll all be worth it all. Oh, in the sweet by and by, on those good and glad shores of glory, we'll just, it'll all be better by and by. Amen. Get saved because one day's the judgment and we'll see the Lord. 
And like I said, my Pentecostal church, we added, you know, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But beyond that, we really were like most other people. Now, we didn't look like other people because I attended a holiness church. So we looked a little peculiar. And uh, we dressed a little differently. And we thought that was separation from the world, you know, was to look a little different. And uh, we didn't go to the same places that they went, that, that the world went to. So we didn't, uh, uh, you know, life as a Christian was, was kind of boring. Growing up in, in the church that I grew up in, the holiness, you know, Pentecostal church that I went, that I went to, uh, we were taught that you can't do this and you can't do that and you can't go here and you can't go there. All of the fun things, we, we couldn't do any of those. And, uh, but when we get to heaven, it'll be all, it'll all be worth it. And most of our songs, most of our hymns and the songs that were written from that movement was, uh, very often, uh, lamentations of how difficult life was here and how, uh, what a struggle it was and all of the persecutions we endure and all of the sorrows we experience, but just hold on because in the sweet by and by, it's going to be worth it all. And, and many songs, and I, I, you know, I can think of several different songs that had the phraseology in it, you know, of, of uh, it'll all be worth it, you know, in the sweet by and by, and we all get to heaven. What a, you know, uh, uh, what? Day of rejoicing that will be, you know. Uh, because we didn't really know a lot about what belonged to us as Christians. We knew, we, we knew what was was prohibited we knew what we couldn't do but we didn't know not a lot about what we had and what we could enjoy in Christ our salvation I'm so glad that I found out that our salvation covers more than than just being forgiven of sins and being born again so that you go to heaven now let me say this if that's all it was it would be worth it in the sweet by and by I mean, going to heaven beats going to hell any day of the week. I'll take it any day. I mean, just tie me up to a stake and beat me every day of my life from, for the next 40 years, just, you know, 30 lashes every day. It'll still be worth it if I go to heaven. Isn't that right? So I'm not minimizing that. But we are still here. And in this life, we have promises. We have things that pertain to this life. Godliness has to do with the blessing of God in this life and in the life which is to come. And so I'm so thankful that I found out that our salvation includes a life of victory, a life of fullness, and so forth here. You know, the um, uh, Greek theologian scholar C.I. Schofield wrote a, a edited a Bible that bears his name, the Schofield Reference Bible, very well known. He made a, a note in Romans chapter one, verse 16, where it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. There's a note in, in, in his Bible, a reference there. And he said that the Old Testament Hebrew and the New Testament Greek in both of those testaments, the words that were translated uh, into the English as salvation those words implied the idea of deliverance, safety, preservation or protection, uh, healing and soundness. And so that's what our salvation includes. It includes all of those things. Uh, there's a, 
Nazarene theologian that uh, I like to read after. He's got an excellent uh, Greek word study book that I enjoy reading. His name Ralph Earl. And uh, he made this statement about salvation. He said the fundamental idea contained in soteria, and that's the Greek words translated salvation. He said the fundamental idea contained in soteria is the removal of dangers menacing to life and the consequent placing of life in conditions favorable to free and healthy expansion. He said, and let me read that again. The fundamental idea contained in the word salvation is the removal of dangers menacing to life and the consequent placing of life in conditions favorable to free and healthy expansion. He went on to say that the primary idea of the word salvation is deliverance. And that's true. Thank God we've been delivered. Thank God we've been set. We've been delivered from so much. We've not just been delivered from judgment to come. We have been delivered from judgment to come. But we've been delivered from fear. We've been delivered from defeat and failure. We've been delivered from harm and danger. We've been delivered from all of the works of the enemy. We've been delivered from every scheme, every strategy that the enemy can, can raise up or try to, try to work against us in this life. In any way, we've been delivered, praise God. We've been delivered, like I said, from sickness. We've been delivered from poverty. We've been delivered from failure. We've been delivered from discouragement. We've been delivered from depression, oppression, uh, any kind of uh, eschen. We've been delivered, praise God. <laughs> We've been delivered, praise God. So we have a great salvation. Amen. Now notice about the salvation. He said that we... We must give the earnest heed to the things we've heard concerning the salvation, lest we drift away. Now, I talked about this, I think, week before last. Lest we drift away. I pointed out that it doesn't say lest we run away. Not too many Christians will go to church on Sunday morning and spend the week reading their Bible, praying every day, praising God for the blessing and enjoying the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, come back to church again on Sunday morning, have a great worship time, just worshiping the Lord, enjoying the presence of God, and then get up Monday morning and say, you know what, I think I'll turn away from God. I haven't tried that yet. I wonder what that's like. I think I'll just turn my back on, no, that never happens. Never ha Not one time has that ever happened. In all of the history of, of Christianity, never has someone gone from full fellowship with the Lord and then immediately turned their back on the Lord. And that's not the way it happens. I said, that's not the way it happens. He didn't say, lest we turn away, run away, walk away. He said, lest we drift away. The Greek word there for drift away, is translated drift away, Literally, literally means to flow past, to flow by, to flow past. Lest we drift, and so that's where, where we get the translation drift away. And it was used to, to in, in the uh, uh, other Greek writings outside the Bible, it was used of uh, uh, snow, you know, falling off and, and, and melting and drifting away off of a soldier's uniform in battle. It was also used of uh, someone slipping a ring off their finger. 
And so that's why the older King James translation translated, lest we slip away. But really what it's talking about is floating past, letting, drifting away from something that you need to be attached to. Now, there are a lot of reasons why people drift away. And it's because we're in this world and the entire current of this world, everything around us is going and flowing away from God. And the, the course of this world, the spirit that operates in this world, on all unsaved men, and, and unfortunately, a lot of saved men, even are drifting in a way that's contrary to God. And you don't have to do anything to drift away. I pointed out, you know, the illustration of someone on a raft or someone in a, a small boat or something, you know, you, you picture them on a river and uh, you don't have to do anything to drift. Why? Because there's a constant current flowing in a certain direction. And so you don't have to make a, you don't, it didn't say lest we paddle away. No, lest we drift away. So you don't have to do anything because the current is already there. Or if you're out on the lake and there's a wind on the water, the wind's blowing, all you have to do is let go and you will drift. Amen, you don't have to try to drift. He said, lest we drift away. Over in, uh, well, let's, let's look at this first. It says, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard. The, the give heed there comes from a Greek word which means to hold to. We must earnestly hold to the things we've heard. We need to more earnestly hold to. More, more, than, more earnestly than what? Than you have before. You need to, we need to, all of us need to hold more earnestly to the things we've heard than we've ever held to before. We need to be more earnest, not less earnest. We're, the Bible says that in the latter days, some will depart from the faith. Now, how many of you believe we're in the latter days? Amen. He said they'll, they'll depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. You, you should be aware as a child of God and as a Christian that the enemy is always trying to separate you from your salvation. He never takes a vacation. He net, see, you can go along as a Christian and enjoying the blessing of God and enjoying the goodness of God and things are going well in your life and, and you're loving God and, and you're just not having any major crisis. Things are going well. And it's easy to lose sight of the reality that the enemy is always looking for an opportunity in your life. You never become... Excuse me, you never become too holy. You never become uh, too mature. You never reach a place in your spiritual walk with God that the enemy writes you off. 
He never writes you off and says, well, sister so-and-so, you know, she's just, uh, you know, I've tried and tried and tried to trick her up and, and uh, tempt her and, 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 and so forth, and I just can't get in, so I'm just gonna go on to a better target. He's not like that. He's vigilant, he's constantly. The Bible says that he roams like a, like a lion looking for whom he may devour. So he's always looking for a crack in the armor. He's always looking for an opportunity in our life. And it says in the last days that some will, will, will fall away. Some will fall away. Well, how are they gonna do that? Again, it's not, it doesn't start out as, as, as an intentional thing. It starts out very gradual. And it starts out by drifting away. They drift away. Amen? And so church, as a, 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 a Christian in the end times, we should double our efforts. We should stir ourselves up to make sure that we're holding firmly to our salvation, that we're holding firmly to what we've heard about our salvation, that we're holding firmly. There's a, a go over to, to Proverbs chapter four. Hold your place in Hebrews, we're gonna come back. Look at Proverbs chapter four. Proverbs four. Very familiar passage. He said, my son, verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Proverbs 4, 20. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now, there's several translations of the Old Testament uh, translated into Greek. The, more, the most famous one is, is a translation called the Septuagint. And, uh, but there's another Greek translation of the Old Testament. And it translates that, that passage with this same Greek word that we're to give heed. And so this uh, translations, uh, translation of Proverbs 4.21 says, Do not let God's word flow past before your eyes, to drift past from before your eyes. The reason these Greek translations of the Old Testament are important is because when someone takes and translates the Old Testament Hebrew into the Greek of the New Testament, then you can show the correspondence between the, the ideas of the Old Testament and their corresponding uh, counterpart, so to speak, in the, in the old, in the new, from the New Testament to the Old Testament. And so the same idea here is holding fast and to God's word so that they not drift away and so that we, not, that we might not drift past the truth of our salvation. We need to give the more earnest heed to it. Now go with me over again to Hebrews again, chapter two. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. Now in the Old Testament, very often angels gave direction to the children of Israel. And every time they failed to follow the direction of these angels, they got in trouble. Every time they, gave, every time they transgressed, every time they were disobedient, disobedient to what the, the angel told them, they were defeated in battle. Well, it, would you expect it to be any less that way today? 
No, we have the word of the Lord. And we cannot expect to be victorious in battle if we're not giving heed to the things spoken by the Lord. Amen? He said, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now, this passage of scripture is most often quoted in reference to the sinner or as a verse of scripture to to warn an unsaved person of the importance of coming to Christ, not neglecting their salvation. So it's most of all direct, most of the time by application, it's directed toward the unsaved, but this scripture wasn't written to the unsaved. Now it'll work, don't misunderstand me. It's a good scripture, there's nothing wrong with using it for an unsaved person because they need salvation as well. But this pa- it's important to know this passage was not written to the unsaved, it was not written to the unlearned, uh, uh, it was not written to those outside of Christ, it was written to the church. Isn't that right? Go over to the third chapter. Look at verse number one. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. So you can can see here that this was written to people who were born again, people in Christ, people who had the knowledge of the truth, people who were walking in salvation. And it says that, that we will not escape if we neglect so great a salvation. There's a danger that people will neglect their salvation. Amen. There's a danger that even saved people can neglect their salvation. Now, the Greek here, uh, there's two primary shades of meaning in this word Greek, in, in this Greek word for neglect. And the English word neglect has a couple of more uh, nuances, but basically the same ideas in the, in the English as in the Greek. And first of all, neglect has this meaning, and it means to ignore or disregard something. To ignore or disregard. That's an intentional neglect. To just ignore something, to disregard it. And that's really the application that we can use when we're talking to the lost, to the sinner. Don't ignore God's salvation. Don't don't neglect it. Don't ignore it. Don't disregard it. Take advantage of it. But there's another meaning, very common meaning to the word neglect. And it means to fail to care sufficiently or properly for. To fail to care for sufficiently or properly. To not give proper attention to. And so there's a form of unintentional neglect that people know to do, but don't do as they should. Don't give the attention to it they should give. Don't give it the care that it really requires, but just a little bit of care. And that's where the danger is for Christians, that we very often fail to give care to our salvation fail to give the proper attention to it and therefore we unintentionally neglect things he said we will not escape not escape what well if the idea of salvation is deliverance if it's health if it's safety and protection and so forth then then if we don't give the proper attention to it then we're going to fail to walk in salvation 
We're going to fail to walk in the full provision of salvation, the full provision of safety and and preservation and healing and and deliverance. In other words, we're going to be bound. We're going to be sick. We're going to be injured. We're going to be harmed. We're going to have defeat in our life. And he said, we cannot escape that. How shall we escape? The question implies an answer that we shall not escape, that you cannot escape. Why? Because we're in this world. Because the current of this world is moving against the things of God. The current of this age is constantly moving against God's plan and the current of this age will take us into bondage. And you can be born again, you can even be spirit-filled, and you can still go into bondage in different areas of your life if you don't give heed to and give the more earnest heed in these days. Why in these days? Because there is a turning away from truth in these days. There is a turning away in these days. Even in, I, even in the spirit-filled world, the word of charismatic, the word of faith world, there are those who are turning away from the things that, that ensure salvation in our lives because they're not convenient, because they're not popular, because they're not, uh, 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 they, they feel like there are certain things that are offensive. And so they're willing to turn away from things and the, the result is they're going into bondage. Amen. You've heard me talk many times about the trend today towards, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Yeah, the seeker sensitive, you know, approach to Christianity. Don't say anything controversial. Don't say anything challenging. Just get up and preach a real flowery message. Just kind of a good self-help, motivational talk. And and don't, uh, don't, don't refer to anything controversial. In some churches, that means don't even refer to the new birth. Don't even talk about being saved. I had a pastor, a word of faith pastor, graduate from the same school I went to, told me that he had a plan for his church. He was, gonna, he, he was working for somebody else and he had left that, the staff of that church. He was gonna go to another town, start another church. And he said, this is my plan for my new church. And he, and he had it all written out and he showed it to him. He wanted me to read it. And his plan was that because of the community, community he was in, because of the uh, secular nature the predominant secular theme of the community, he said the new birth, just getting up and talking about being born again wouldn't go over real good. He said, so my messages will just be messages about uh, feeling good about yourself, you know, and self-improvement, that sort of thing. And then after someone's been there six months, if they, if they attend our church six months, after six months of attendance, then we think we finally have enough uh, of, a, of a place to speak into their life. They trust us enough that we will then invite them to a separate meeting outside of the Sunday morning, like a Sunday night or a Monday night or something. And in this separate uh, counseling session, we'll introduce to them the idea of the new birth. By then, they should trust us enough that they'll be open, but we can't preach at the beginning. And then, you know, another six months or a year down the road, then if they get born again, you know, then a little later we can introduce to them the idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit. But we dare not ever talk about those things ever on a Sunday morning service. In other words, an open public service, we never address those things. 
I would say that's falling away. Amen. That's falling away in the extreme. Yeah. But there are a lot of, uh, of, of churches that are falling away in various ways. And, I, and I'm not out here to, to attack other people. I'm here to warn you of what you need to be careful for. And the, the reason these, these churches are falling away, the reason, they're, the reason they're compromising what they're preaching is because of the pressure of this age. Because of the flow of this age, the, the current of this age is moving in such a direction that they feel compelled to compromise and yield to the spirit of this age. What I'm telling you about is not, I'm not here to, to, to correct them so much as I am to tell you that's what's going on and you as a Christian need to be on your guard that you not compromise anything. You know, we have churches in our own word of faith camp that at one time had the move of the spirit and they enjoyed the move of the spirit and they would allow tongues and interpretation and rejoicing and dancing and, and, and uh, you know, different manifestations of the spirit. They shut all, they shut all of that down. So not having any more of that word of faith churches. We're not having any more of that because that runs people off. You know, the spirit of this age, when it gets a hold of somebody, it never stops. It continues to advance. I was talking to uh, uh, another pastor friend of mine. He just had, had just finished talking to the national director of Rama Ministerial Association, the organization where I'm ordained at, at Rama. And the national director said just recently in a conversation to him, I, he didn't say it to me, he said it to this pastor friend of mine, that there is... Uh, uh, a tendency now in Rama churches to start allowing drinking. That, they're, that the pastors are drinking beer and wine and they're taking all prohibition of those things out of their church ordinances and they're announcing that it's okay to do that. He said it's actually rampant right now. You see how one thing leads to another. Neglect. How does that happen? It begins as neglect. It begins as a fail, failure to care sufficiently and properly for the things you've heard. And, and it always begins as a slight compromise. Just a slight compromise. Now notice that the emphasis here on giving heed is to the things we've heard. Notice the word heard, verse one. The word spoken, Verse two, the word spoken. Verse three, that which at first began to be spoken by the Lord. Our salvation is delivered to us in the word of salvation. The way you hold on to your salvation, the way you hold on to your healing, the way you hold on to victory, the way you hold on to the, to the full and great salvation we have is not so much holding on to the effect as it is holding on to the cause of the effect, which is the word of God. It's the word of God. God sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and saved. He, the Bible says that they, would, that they would be given words whereby they would be saved. God has always operated through his word. The only way to hold fast and to hold on to and, and to give heed to it and to hold on to it tightly is to give heed to the word of God, to more earnestly hold on to the word of our salvation. Yeah. 
Amen. You know, the Bible says faith comes by hearing. Isn't that right? Romans chapter 10, go over there and look at it. You say, well, I know where that is. I know what it says. Well, you need to read it. Hebrews, I mean, uh, Romans chapter 10. So then faith, look at verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, you have to hold fast to hearing. Amen. You have to hold fast to hearing the word of God. Faith is not static. Faith is not static. What's the opposite of static? Dynamic, live. Faith is not static. It's dynamic. Faith is something that is alive, it's moving, it's, it's pulsating with life. You don't just have faith by what you've heard and then not hear again and that faith just stays in your life. That's not the way it works because that's not the nature of faith. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Hearing, continual hearing. Hearing and hearing and hearing. That's how you have faith for your deliverance. That's how you have faith for the great salvation we have. Now, now what I'm about to say is not to promote uh, us, this church necessarily, because the truth we have is just New Testament truth. It's not impact truth. But a lot of people have attended our services over the years, and I could look out. And I, I could just count person after person after person after person. When you came here, you knew nothing about your salvation. All you had heard was that you have to be saved to go to heaven. And you came in and you began to discover what belongs to you. And you begin to discover, discover the riches of our salvation and how great a salvation it is and how, how much is involved in it and what belongs to us as a child of God and as, as, as a, a, a Christian, a joint heir with Christ. What belongs to us? But if you're gonna continue to walk in those things, you have to safeguard those things. And you don't do it by just holding on to the, to the thought of it, you do it by giving heed to the word, the more earnest heed to the things you've heard. In other words, you have to hear them again. You have to keep on hearing them. And, and you have to be vigilant to stand against any attempt of the enemy to separate you from it. Because he's always, the current is always flowing. All you have to do is just relax. Just, just drop your guard. Just relax in your, in your vigilance to hold on to the things of God. Just, just, just drift. And he'll wash you downstream. Amen. If you look at the, the writings of the New Testament and the epistles, you'll notice that they had a lot of false doctrines. The enemy fought the early church with all sorts of uh, false doctrines, things that were partial truths, things that were, were uh, 
you, you know, uh, had some truth in it, but they had just enough error in it that, that it would lead the church astray. And the apostles constantly preached the word they preached because they knew that was the only bulwark they, could, they had, the only thing they had to hold people to the truth and to keep the church from being washed away was the continual preaching of the word. Go to first, go to second Timothy rather, chapter four. Second Timothy chapter four. Hallelujah. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Paul was talking here to Timothy, his son in the faith, another minister, a younger minister. He was exhorting him to preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. Teaching what? The word. He said, the word is your main arsenal. It's your main weapon. It's your main tool. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. He said, preach the word. Why? Because there's always coming, uh, the devil always has a strategy, he always has a plan to separate people from their salvation. Like I said, the word is the only resistance that the apostles knew, the only way they knew to resist it, the, the false compromising, faith destroying doctrines of the first century. And they were, they were rampant in the first century. There are all kinds of doctrines floating around. Because the church was young and, and, and uh, the theology was still being developed by the Holy Spirit moving upon the apostles to write the, the documents of the New Testament. A lot of times they didn't have all of these documents. They weren't in circulation. They, they weren't, certainly weren't put together like we have them today. And so the enemy was taking advantage of that with all kinds of ideas and all kinds of teachings and all kinds of doctrines. So he kept telling his, those ministers in his charge, just preach the word, constantly preach the word. In uh, Titus chapter one, well, I tell you what, it, it's, I'm gonna stop here. I've gone long enough today, but uh, we'll continue this. Next Sunday, maybe tonight, you'll just have to come out and find out. Amen. You know, there, there, there was a time when some of you came to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. You never missed. But then, you know, things uh, came up and uh, you compromised. You start saying, well, you know, this has come up. I'm not going to be able to come on Wednesday nights. And, uh, you know, Miss Leah, she gave a good testimony about this not long ago. How she had allowed legitimate things in life to encroach upon her uh, coming to church. And make, make no, uh, there's no doubt about it. Make no mistake. 
if you're not diligent to come to church to be fed the word of God, you're not feeding on your own. I said, if you're not diligent enough to come to church and let somebody feed you, no one is deceived in thinking that you are feeding yourself like you should on your own. Nobody believes that. You might think somebody believes that, but we don't. But Miss Leah, you know, she testified that she, she, you know, had begun to compromise and she'd let some things uh, interfere and, and, and it encroached more and more. You know, fortunately, she had a, a sister and uh, a nephew, some relatives that loved her enough that they pointed this out to her. Said, hey, you know, you're, you're, not, you're not doing what you should. And she realized it and she, and she put a stop to it and she reversed it. And God has blessed her because of that. But like I said, there are others that uh, used to come on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but then something, you know, you let something separate you. I, I've known of people that have said, well, you know, I've got this, you know, my work. I just can't come on Wednesday nights because of work. So they stopped coming. And, and then they got in the habit of not coming. And then even after work changed, they still didn't come because they just didn't come on Wednesday nights anymore. And then, and then they started not coming on Sunday nights occasionally. And then more and more. And then, and then some of you we never see on Sunday night. You used to see you all the time. You used to be diligent to hold fast to your salvation. But because of compromise, you, you've allowed the enemy to come in and separate you from more and more and more. And I'm gonna tell you, the less you hear, the more you drift. The less you hear, the more you drift. And it's impossible not to drift if you're not hearing. It's impossible. And the, the warning here is real bold. He says, you will not escape the effect of the enemy and his strategies against you. You will not escape if you neglect your salvation. And I know the argument is, oh, pastor, I'm not neglecting my salvation. I still love the Lord. I still believe. You know, I, you know, listen to me. They exhorted one another daily in the New Testament. From house to house. That was from church to church service. They met in homes. Daily, they exhorted one another. And so much the more. Let me close with this. Go over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Said I was closing and I plan to. <laughs> Hebrews 10. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let us, verse 24, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Now go over to Hebrews 3 and look at verse 12 and 13. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Oh, pastor, that, that's not me. That doesn't describe me. He said, beware, S 
some, if someone is beware of something, that means they take it seriously. They take the warning seriously. They judge themselves. They examine themselves. And to beware is to be mindful of. To, to realize there's a threat and to be watchful. That's what being aware is. Be, being aware is not saying, that's not me. That could never happen to me. Pastor, I'm not departing from God. That's not being beware. That's not, that's not being beware. That's, I'm not saying that right. That's not being aware. Let me put it that way. That's not being aware. That's not being cautious. This word was, was given for them to, to cause caution, wasn't it? Oh, pastor, no, no. I, you know, I don't come to church you know, like I used to, but I still love the Lord and I, everything's fine with me. That's not being aware. He said, beware, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. How, how, do, you, how do you beware? If you're, if you're being aware, what will you do? Exhorting one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. It is deceiving. The strategies of the enemy and compromise comes in very deceivingly. It's deceitful. It'll, it'll, it'll convince you that, it's your, that you're okay. You don't need to be in church. You don't need to do what you used to do. You don't need to participate like you used to participate. After all, you didn't get anything out of it anyway, so why go? You're just as strong as a Christian, not going to church, but once a week, and then not even every Sunday, just when you feel like it, unless something comes up, you're just as good a Christian. That's what the enemy says. But that's not according to the Bible. The Bible says that we should be exhorting one another daily. He said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Well, pastor, I haven't forsaken it. Oh, really? When we used to see you every Wednesday night and we haven't seen you on a Wednesday night in two years, can you think of another word? Is there a fit, more fitting word? You, you stop doing it, you forsaken it. <laughs> Why am I telling you this? Because the, this is not a safe world we live in. The times we live in are difficult times. They're hard times. They're dangerous times spiritually unless you're holding fast, unless you're giving the more earnest heed. Not less heed, more heed. Remember how you held to redemption when you first heard about it? Remember how you clung to it, how you sought God, how hungry you were, how you fed on, your, on, the, on the word of your salvation, what it meant to you, how thrilling it was, how you couldn't get enough of it? He said we ought to, we ought to give more earnest heed, not less. The enemy comes in and he makes you think, well, you've got this. I got this, man, this is, I got this. This is working in my life. And so I don't have to be as diligent as I used to. Beware, many of you have fallen into that trap. Yeah. He said, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What day is approaching? What, what day is approaching? 
The day of Christ is approaching. The day of Christ is approaching. His return is approaching. Amen. We see that. It's evident all around us because, because the day of the Lord is at hand. And, and the day of the Lord, the, the time of the tribulation, will be preceded by the catching away of the church. So we know because of the signs of the times that the day of Christ appearing is, is soon. So are, are, are we going to be less diligent or more diligent? Are we going to redouble our efforts and, and cling to our salvation and hold fast to the word of our salvation? Or are we going to be lackadaisical and at ease and just drift? Church, don't drift. Now's not the time to drift. Now's not the time to turn loose. Now's the time to hold on. Amen. Praise God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.